The Essence of Tea, Episode 41. Welcome. You are listening to the Essence of Tea podcast, where we share about the world of tea with you. From tea tastings to tea history and culture to tea education, health, and wellness, the Essence of Tea is your tea companion through your personal transformation and growth. I'm your host, Jenny Jie. Now let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Essence of Tea podcast, where we talk about all things tea. And today we have our special friend, Greg, who is, I don't know, what you what would you call yourself, a cheese head? No, not cheese uh, head. Definitely a cheese head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my name is Greg. I'm a cheesemonger. That means that my job is to uh, buy, cut, and sell cheese um, 40 to 80 hours a week. Uh, I've been doing this for about uh, seven to eight years, um, and I've actually been able to be uh, pretty successful in cheese. Uh, I became a certified cheese professional, which is like a small for cheese in 2016. At the time, I was one of only 400 in America. I think right now we're about 1,200 CCPs uh, in North America and around the world. I'm still the only certified cheese professional in the whole state of Alaska, which is kind of cool. Uh, until you realize how small Alaska is, then it's a little less cool. But we're just going to pretend <laughs> it's a massive state with lots of cheese people. <laughs> hey, we love cheese here, and we love our tea. <laughs> oh, very mm-hmm. much so. Uh, I've also competed in the Cheesemonger Invitational, which is a international competition where uh, cheese heads get together and compete on their cheesy knowledge. Uh, <laughs> most recently at the virtual competition, I got second in America, uh, sorry, second in North America, uh, which I'm uh, very uh, excited about. Um, and uh, particularly for this, uh, Jenny and I have been doing tea and cheese tastings now for about 40 years. I think the first time we tried doing a tea and cheese together, we probably went through 20 teas and 30 cheeses. It took about three days, and we oh learned a lot of stuff the hard way. Uh, I remember the first time, yeah, you mentioned you want to do tea and cheese. We looked it up online to see what other people had done, and there wasn't anything. There, Yeah, that was, I mean, I, I heard about it one time from mm-hmm. a chef. I think she was, like, from the Ritz-Carlton, and, but it, I mean, she wasn't a cheese professional. Mm-hmm. That was that was a hard thing, and and she was a tea professional, tea sommelier. But but then, if you don't have the two together, it's really hard to make the best pairing possible. You know, you're just yeah. kind of like it's like a dartboard, and then you look at all the space that's in that dartboard that that tiny tip could possibly hit the right one. So. There's so many factors that you're going to dive into deeper today, right? Oh, absolutely. We're going to talk about everything that we did wrong and what we (laughs) learned eventually. Uh, And especially now that there's a much better resource for how to do so, we are still learning better ways of putting tea and cheese together. For sure. Yeah. So what are, what, okay. So the cheese side, okay. Yeah. Um, What do we even need to know? Like we like eating, or I like eating cheese, all kinds of cheese. Um, But, you know, usually when I first started um, learning more about cheese and tea pairing, working with you, I would literally just go to the store and buy random things of cheese. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what I was buying. I just knew it was cheese. And then maybe, hopefully, I'll find a good pairing. So where do we start with our cheese knowledge? That's a great place to uh, to start off this conversation. Uh, So if it's possible, try to find a store that has a dedicated cheesemonger that does this for a living. People who sell cheese don't do it for the money and certainly not the fame or fortune. They do it because they love cheese, just like Jenny does this because she loves tea. 
Uh, if you can find someone who's knowledgeable and enthusiastic who wants to be there, you're going to be able to have a better experience uh, than even having maybe higher quality cheeses at a shop that doesn't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, I carry around 200 different cheeses from around the world. Uh, if you're only wanting to get three or four, that's a one in 50 chance that you'll get the best cheese for what you're trying to do. Uh, also, uh, outside of COVID times, please try to only buy cheeses from places that will give you a sample. If they're not willing to give you a sample, if they're not a cut and wrap shop, that might not be the best spot. Uh, but uh, until a couple years ago, we didn't even have that here. Uh, it's definitely not a thing you can find everywhere. Uh, so if you are able to find a high quality cheesemonger where you're able to try things before you buy and able to get exactly the right amount, that's perfect. But if not, we're going to go over some ideas that basically work uh, for uh, almost any cheese and uh, any good tea as well. Yeah. So should we um, show what kind of cheeses we yeah, have Yeah, let's here talk today? about the cheeses we grabbed today. So uh, today we have brought four different cheeses. We brought a, a burrata. This is going to be a basically like a mozzarella stuffed with cream. Uh, it tends to be a little sweeter. Uh, it's very high in fat content. Uh, it's also bright white, so the camera kind of looks washed out. Most mozzarellas are going to be sold very, very bright white, uh, particularly if they're going to be from Water Buffalo uh, or ones in America where the majority of our mozzarellas are going to be uh, dyed white. Uh, we also have a sheep's milk manchego. This is a four-month-aged manchego from Manchego, Spain, uh, uh, right in the middle uh, of Spain. We have a older sheep's cheese. This is a squero. Uh, this is from the south of France. And then from Switzerland, we have one of my favorites is a Hollerhocker. Uh, this is going to be an aged uh, alpine style cheese. Think of it like a really funky, super creamy, even better than Gruyere Gruyere. Hmm. Uh, the reason why we brought this is uh, these are uh, four fairly diverse cheeses that we have found to go, uh, these styles go really well with a broad range of teas. Before we start trying the cheeses or trying the teas, one of the things I think is very important to talk about uh, is the role of temperature. Um, that's something that is true if you're doing cheese by itself or especially tea by itself. It's also true for wine or beer or any specialty food. Anytime you want to highlight the nuance or the notes uh, or the complex character of a specialty food product, you don't want it to be super cold. Uh, this is because of an idea of a retronasal olfaction, uh, which is a very fancy way of saying that when you're uh, consuming a product, a lot of what you're experiencing isn't going to be taste, it's going to be aroma. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the problems we have in the food industry is we always talk about the way things taste, and that's almost of a misnomer. When I say something tastes grassy, uh, that's not uh, physiologically possible. I can only taste sugar, salt, uh, savory, uh, bitter, and sour. If it's not one of those five sensations, I'm unable to use my tongue to detect it. Any notes that are grassy or earthy or floral, those aren't things my tongue is able to do. Uh, those are aromas. Uh, we estimate that there's more than a billion aromas that someone could detect. Some estimates put it around a trillion. Most of the math behind those estimates is very, very flawed. But either way, it is significantly more uh, than uh, you're able to taste, which we're fairly certain is around five. Uh, well, I do, uh, we will talk about the cheeses and get them in the comments uh, later on as well, so that way we can have everyone be able to uh, have access to those cheeses also. Uh, so when it comes to, so we talked about how the, there's a, something called retronasal olfaction. Uh, that is when the aromas go from a solid phase to a gaseous phase, 
and rise up to the back of the throat uh, to the olfactory bulb. The olfactory bulb is behind, uh, is, is in the brain behind the nose. It is what's responsible for the sensation of aroma. Uh, we could taste five things. We could smell uh, billions of things, probably. Uh, the reason why temperature is important is because as something warms up, the ability from it to go from a solid phase to gaseous phase uh, happens more readily. I'm sure we have all seen uh, gasoline on a hot day where we see the vapors coming off the tank of gas or all filling the, uh, the, the uh, vehicle. That happens more when it's hot. Uh, the gasoline isn't boiling. It's not going uh, through a, a, a phase change uh, through a boiling like we do with uh, heating up hot water. Yeah. It's going from a, a vapor pressure barrier, basically meaning the volatile organic compounds are able to go from a solid phase or a liquid phase to gaseous phase, uh, depending on temperature. What this means is as you consume something warmer, a lot of those notes become more pronounced. Uh, I mentioned multiple times that any time we have a specialty food product, it's important to have it not ice cold. Uh, the reverse is also true. Uh, if you know, any of us remember our days back in college or maybe even before, if you had a cheap bottle of vodka and you want to find a way to drink it, you throw it in the freezer so you don't taste how bad it tastes. <laughs> All of those notes that we don't want to have in bad vodka or bad beer uh, or uh, sometimes in bad cheese will be subdued uh, when it's cold because the likelihood for it to go from a solid or a liquid to a gas is reduced. However, this is not, you know, bad cheap vodka. This is very, very good <laughs> cheese and world-class tea. So we're going to be serving them uh, the uh, uh, cheeses at room temperature, if possible, as well as the teas uh, yeah. at the right temperature. And each one has a little bit different, you know, ideal range. So to have cheese at the right temperature, that generally means uh, uh, have it out for about an hour or so before you enjoy it. Yeah. And so that's also really important also for tea tastings because mm -hmm. you're smelling them, even the shape of the cup or the vessel, you know, whether you have it in a light Chinese tea ceremony cup or we even have like these aroma cups um, that are literally for smelling for for that experience. So um, when you're just making tea and you're, you know, tea tasting, we call it, but it would be actually the whole experience mm -hmm. and the site, right? Because we also make judgments Absolutely. also off of our site. We'll already have, um, you know, our past experience influences. That's why you'll hear a lot of times like kids go, oh, I don't want to eat that. And they didn't even try it yet. It's like, oh, it's gross. You're like, how is it gross? You haven't even tasted it yet. And it has to do with their prejudice of what they see as being unfamiliar. Mm -hmm. Their hesitations about that too. So that's why like looking at your cheeses, looking at your teas and that whole experience. Now we're going to be talking about the complexity of combining the two. And the how uh, in particular, the temperature of the tea is phenomenal because it raises the temperature of the cheese past what you'd normally find in cheese tasting. So if you're doing a nice wine, it might be around 55 degrees Fahrenheit uh, for a good cheese significantly more. And that means a lot of the nuances and the notes you find in the cheese are even more pronounced, which is why tea pairings be uh, even more tricky th uh, than wine pairings, uh, because you're going to actually taste more of the cheese with tea than you would with almost any other food pairings. 
And you're absolutely right about not just the uh, way it tastes and the way it smells, uh, but uh, flavor is a multi-sensory experience. Uh, the way it sounds is important. And I know that sounds bizarre, mm -hmm. but we could actually tell the difference between uh, pouring hot water and pouring cold water. That sounds ridiculous, but if you were to take a blindfold and pour both, most people <laughs> are able to tell which water is hot. Uh, that's one of the reasons why we're out in the woods a thousand miles away from anything because it's <laughs> nice and quiet and we have a chance to really enjoy uh, this opportunity. You know, if you have uh, kids and dogs and stresses in the background, you won't be able to enjoy the experience. Um, many Michelin starred restaurants uh, pipe in uh, music and notes and sounds of a happy restaurant into the restaurant to make it sound different because it will change your experience. So often if you go to a high-end restaurant, the noises you hear actually aren't even the people next to you. There are people on a speaker system being projected in to give you a sensation of a happy experience because it'll change the way you experience the food. Yeah, one of the craziest things that we realized in Disney World this year, so we went to Disney World in February, and it was very, very safe there. But remember how I'm, I didn't, well, I said I have a bad sense of smell, but I don't have a bad sense of smell. It's like, I'm very tolerant of things. Mm -hmm. But my husband was like, do you smell that? Do you, like every time the ride turned, it was the sight, it was the sound, and he's like, they put a particular smell like mm -hmm. right on the ride. And he's like, there's a science behind that for the whole experience of it. So it's so strange that you can apply that to so many different things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's one of the things I love about getting really into any subject is you see uh, the multidisciplinary aspect and the intersectionality of especially uh, all uh, fine food and experiences. So uh, to recap real quick, Temperature is vitally important anytime you have something that's delicious. Being in a spot where you're able to sit down and relax and enjoy is important. If I'm worried that my phone's going to go off and someone's calling out of work or there's other life stresses, I won't be able to create the space where we're able to really enjoy what we're doing. Uh, and I think especially with what we have today, I want to be able to exist right here and enjoy this with you guys because it is phenomenal. So what are some interesting things that we learned? I'm going to start steeping the tea right now. Absolutely. What are some interesting yeah. things we've learned from the past of, of trying this out? Uh, there's lots of different ways that we could describe what are good pairings and bad pairings. But especially for the purpose of this podcast, we wanted to talk about four uh, ideas that we've uh, uh, found that are largely true. Uh, we know that everyone's going to be able to find you know, Jenny's uh, King of Silver Needles white tea uh, <laughs> at, at their local grocery store. Uh, not yet, at least. And we certainly know that some of these cheeses that are very small batch coming out of uh, very small portions of Europe are very hard to find. And you're not going to be able to find it uh, depending on where you're at in the world. So we're not going to try to focus today in the podcast about what tea and what cheeses in particular you should do, but rather what tea pairing principles and cheese pairing principles we could largely apply to the idea of tea and cheese tastings. Mm -hmm. And so preparation mm -hmm. is really important because, mm -hmm. you know, we have this cheese warming up to room temperature. We're steeping our teas at the suggested time. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I'll let Greg go into more of that, of like how even the temperature of the tea will affect yeah. how the pairing happens. Mm -hmm. uh, the temperature of the tea and the order of which you consume the tea and the cheese uh, changes uh, drastically. Uh, there's a couple different uh, physical and chemical processes that occur any time that you consume cheese and or tea. Uh, uh, in particular with cheeses, uh, because again, that's my job, I, I just do cheese, uh, <laughs> is that uh, uh, most cheeses have good fat. 
Uh, I know fat is a scary word. I, I hope that most people are getting past the, you know, the 70s idea that fat is bad. That <laughs> simply isn't the way it actually works. It's a lot more complex. Good fats probably don't actually increase fat and probably not actually bad. And without good fat, you can't get almost any of the flavors we're looking for. Uh, what I mean by that is when I look at, you know, what oh, camera at? I apologize. I am not very good at this. When I look at this cheese, uh, one of the reasons why this is delicious is because this was only made with a milk that was uh, a source on the same farm where they made the cheese. And it's only from uh, cows that are able to only eat fresh grasses and flowers and herbs that they're able to find uh, where they live. And what that does, it means you have a lot more fat. As this cheese ages, this one's uh, been uh, sitting in a cave for one year. Uh, we have a process known as lipolysis. Uh, it is the breakdown of the fats. So as the fat that is found inside the cheese is broken down, we get the vast majority of the flavor and aroma compounds. So if we didn't have fat in this cheese, the things we're tasting and experiencing wouldn't be able to exist uh, because they only exist uh, through the process of breaking down those fats. What that means though, is that when I eat this cheese, I'm going to have uh, a layer of lipids uh, on my tongue. Uh, lipids is a fancy name for fats. So anytime you have fat on the tongue, it's gonna to act almost like a shield to prevent you from being able to experience more. One of the ways we're able to get around that in the pairing world uh, is to do things that are uh, sparkling or carbonated. That's one of the reasons why things like sparkling wines like champagne and Prosecco are such universal pairings for a lot of cheeses uh, because they're able to scrub the tongue with those scrubbing bubbles. <laughs> Uh, it's true. Things, uh, <laughs> things that are, tend to be uh, very uh, uh, strong in alcohol. So like whiskeys go really well with cheese because uh, fat is going to be nonpolar. Uh, alcohol, particularly when it gets closer to uh, 80 proof or roughly 40% alcohol by volume, uh, you have uh, large amounts of ethanol that is also nonpolar. It acts as a solvent. It's going to take away what's going on along the tongue. Uh, with tea, uh, we have the action of the, the hot temperature combined with the stringency and the small amounts of acidity that are going to basically cut through that unctuous layer of the tongue to allow us to taste more. Uh, so besides the fact that tea is going to warm up the cheese in our mouth so we're able to have more retro-nasal olfaction with the volatile organic compounds, we're also going to have the fact that tea is going to clean our palate or cleanse the palate to allow us to be able to have each experience be new and continue to be able to suss out the nuance and complexities. Uh, so what tea are we starting off with first? Um, I have the King of Silver Needles white tea. Mm -hmm. So this white tea is very sweet. Mm -hmm. um, it's not super astringent. And the feel, the mouthfeel of this is very fluffy. It's very downy. So it's going to be very smooth and viscous at the same time, which could influence the pairing also. Definitely. And for that, we have probably one of the most basic fancy pairings of all time when it comes to cheese. I don't know a single cheesemonger who's worked in the industry for any period of time who didn't have a brief love affair with the Spanish cheese milk cheeses, particularly Manchego. Uh, this uh, it was first written about in the year 1605 in uh, uh, the Man of La Mancha. You know, this was cheese that Don Quixote took to go fight the windmills. Uh, but evidence points that this cheese has been made for probably 3,000 years in central Spain. This is a super old school sheep's milk cheese. Uh, so old that if you notice on the rind, I'm pretty sure I'm on the camera. You could kind of actually see the impressions of a grass basket. Uh, at the time, 
uh, we weren't, uh, pottery was expensive and hard to find in central Spain. Uh, pyro uh, technology was fairly new. Uh, so to drain the curds from the whey, uh, they used a grass basket to press it. Uh, because this is a young sheep's milk cheese, they tend to be known for a couple things. They tend to be uh, a little on the sweeter side. They tend to have, oh, look at that. Perfect. <laughs> Again, I, I don't do podcasts. I'm totally new to the whole idea of having a camera. I've only done this in person. Uh, so this is a new experience. I'm learning all sorts of things. Thank you for bearing with me. Also, thank no you, Jenny, for knowing which way is up. <laughs> well, I'm just looking at the camera. So, mm -hmm. there you go. So, this cheese uh, has uh, sheep's milk. Sheep's milk has a little more fat than you normally find in cow's milk cheeses. Uh, that means it's a little creamier. Uh, it tends to be a little more fluffy. Uh, which is part of the reason why it doesn't go well. It also has a little inherent sweetness. Often the way I experience the sweetness in this cheese is going to be the sweetness of like fresh grass. Uh, if you remember uh, after a really hard rain when it's hot outside mowing at the lawn and you have all of those cuttings and it has a little bit of sweetness coming through and uh, it's because uh, the plants uh, have sugar in them and uh, you can have some of that sweetness inside this cheese uh, which can go really, really well uh, with a tea. Uh, also, because of where it was from, it tends to be a little saltier, and we have found that saltier cheeses do well with sweeter teas. So the tea should, if we did it right, which I'm pretty sure we did, uh, make it more fluffy. It all it's, tastes good in the end. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to bring out some of the uh, more grassy notes. It should make this cheese uh, taste a little more earthy, and the cheese should allow the tea to feel sweeter. Uh, it should make it fluffier uh, and light, uh, and I hope we can even get some uh, almost little floral notes coming out of that tea by putting them together. A uh, quick uh, note for doing cheese pairings. Uh, you can see that I didn't cut these up. Uh, a lot of people love the idea of the way charcuterie boards look, the idea of making these beautiful oh, cheese yeah. <laughs> platters that are gorgeous on Instagram. I, I admit I am kind of fond of them as well. I've made a, a number of cheese, you know, platters to put on my Instagram, uh, which uh, Jenny keeps reminding me I need to mention. It's uh, cheese master G at Instagram. Yeah, G for Greg. <laughs> G for Greg. <laughs> um, so I, I left the rind on. I really like leaving the rind on for cheeses, even if they cut up on a cheese platter, because first of all, it makes it more interesting. This rind is beautiful. I love the way it looks. Having it on the cheese is more aesthetically pleasing. It also means if I have three white cheeses that are triangle shaped, it's easier to remember which one is which. I can look at each one and know what it is, but for someone who doesn't spend 60 hours a week eating cheese, uh, it isn't immediately obvious the subtle nuances between each one. Leaving the rind on, all three of these are very identifiable and will allow, uh, oh, yeah, we'll change the camera again, <laughs> will allow uh, someone who isn't uh, a, a cheese professional to quickly identify which one is which. Uh, also, it means, and this is one of my favorite parts, is if I don't eat the whole thing, it's easier to put back in the fridge for later. And, well, and I did kind of not handle the cheese correctly because I put my fingers all over it. Oh, we're so totally touching the cheese. Okay, this is our okay. cheese today. All right, because normally you want to touch just like the edges of yeah. the cheese. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, we don't want, uh, this one in particular, uh, uh, let's see, can we, we do the top camera real yep. quick? Yep, we're on it. We are? Yep, this one right here. Oh, wow, look at that. Okay. I'm really bad at this. <laughs> and you might even be able to see a little, uh, I don't oh, know if it, a little yeah. shiny reflection from yes, the oils. Yes, there you go. There you go. Uh, so it's kind of hard to see on the camera, but we can see a thin machine. 
Uh, again, this is a higher fat content cheese. So what's happening is so some of like the wire specks and then like the darker meat part of the cheese, right? So what you're yeah, we're about? looking at the oily sheen on the outside. This yeah. is basically the butter fat uh, of the cheese uh, coming out as it comes up to room temperature. Uh, so if you ever have a cheese board and want to know what's on sheep's milk, look for that nice uh, shiny uh, layer of the butter fat just uh, oozing out, showing its you know provenance and quality. Um, so, uh, because this cheese uh, is coated in a very thin layer of wax, we're going to be cutting off the outside of the cheese before we pair it with the tea. Uh, and the tea we have is the king of silver needles. Yeah. So we'll quickly just try it here on camera so we'll be able to describe how to try it together and what it tastes like. One of the things I really like doing, especially with tea and cheese pairings, is trying the cheese by itself first, uh, letting it uh, be a multi-sensory experience. So bringing it up to the nose. and we're, uh, all, uh, we don't have to pretend to smell it a half mile away. That's not what people do. When you go to the <laughs> cheese tastings, you bring them real nice and close. I get a, a strong, I apologize. Then I get you a slice. Here, I'm oh, I'm going to help myself. I am really <laughs> comfortable enough to. Well, that's the bottom part. Okay. There we go. So we're looking for more of the center. Yeah. So that's right. One of the things they're able to do, especially with cheeses or chocolates or anytime we're uh, trying to really get the aromas, is you cup it in your hand and break it open. There's going to be a spot where we freshly broke open. We could use a, a hand to kind of Oh, kind of like when we do tea tastings mm -hmm. when we go like this. Yep. Uh, yeah. Or when you're using this really, really cool tea tasting device where there's a very small opening to concentrate the aromas. Uh, for cheese, uh, it doesn't go in glasses very well, but we're able to concentrate it by breaking it off, cupping in our hands, and really getting some notes out. Do you get some of that sweetness, a little bit of saltiness? Mm. That, um, one of the things we find in sheep's milk cheese is known as lanolin. It's the smell of fresh uh, sheep's wool. If you've ever had like an old like Icelandic sweater that's been there mm -hmm. for me like your grandfather and smell it, it has that note of lanolin. If you've ever been to a sheep's farm, uh, there's a very particular barnyard note, which is often described as a bad thing. But uh, today, barnyard just means, you know, the way that animals, uh, livestock can smell sometimes, particularly sheep, where it has a beautiful lanolin richness to it. So what we're going to do is we're going to try a small bite of the cheese. We're going to let it move around on the palate. Uh, we're going to use our entire part of the tongue. We talked about how the tongue isn't really great at sussing out nuance. So if our tongue is one of our worst sensory implements, we don't want to uh, 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 restrict ourselves to only putting it in the middle or to the sides. When we're trying things, we should use the entire mouth. Uh, even though we only have taste buds uh, you know, on uh, most of the tongue, you know, you, uh, move them around, uh, uh, let it warm up, allow it to kind of sit on the palate before digesting. After we're doing that, we're gonna take a little bit of the tea and notice how the aftertaste of the cheese changes. So the cheese is going to line our tongue in fat and flavor. It's gonna stay there. This is good cheese. This won't be one of those, uh, uh, you know, Costco or Walmart <laughs> cheese that we take a bite and it's gone in a second. This one is gonna linger. It has a very long finish. Uh, the finish is referred to as the flavor and the notes on the palate and then the, uh, the olfactory bulb after uh, you have uh, swallowed whatever it is. Uh, so for wine, after you take a sip of wine and it's still there, if it stays there for a while, it's a long finish. Mm -hmm. Cheeses will have a long finish. We're going to let that finish sit there. Notice how it feels in the mouth, particularly with the structure, with the body, the way the sensation of the mouth feels. We're going to have a sip of tea and notice how that changes. And then we're going to sit for a second reflect, and then try another sip of tea. Uh, the first sip of tea is going to interact a lot with the tannins, sorry, with the, the fats. The tannins and the fats can interact. Uh, the uh, volatile organic compounds can interact. We can get a really good idea of how they play together. Uh, and then the second sip of tea, we're gonna get a much surer note of the way the tea tastes by itself. 
Uh, and then after we do that, we'll then take a third bite of, uh, sorry, a second bite of cheese and a third sip of tea when they're together in the mouth at the same time and see how they build upon each other. All right, you ready? Oh, I'm, I'm definitely ready. I've been up to seven <laughs> <Okay>. hours. <and laughs> <you're hungry. laughs> okay, all right, go ahead. I like to push my cheese to the roof of my mouth too. And you know how like certain cheeses, like mm -hmm. macaroni and cheese, it gets like all in your teeth and like, it's almost like you feel like you taste it there mm -hmm. too. So I definitely agree. We wanted to let it warm up in the mouth. We want to be able to move it around. We talked about how one of the things that happens is the volatile organic compounds, all those uh, the flavonoids responsible for those beautiful aromas. As they heat up, they will go to the uh, top of the mouth and through the back of the throat into the nose. Another thing that happens is the enzymatic reaction of the saliva uh, and the cheese itself or anything that you're consuming. Uh, we have an idea that digestion happens in the stomach, and that's not true. Digestion happens the minute that you put it in your mouth. And by digestion, I mean the ability for enzymes and microbes to take up these large molecules and break them down to smaller molecules. Uh, that's all we're doing and with flavor. We start off with these really long, uh, large fats, and we break them up into smaller and smaller uh, particles that give us all these wonderful notes and flavors. That continues to happen as we eat it. The saliva will break down those fats and create new flavors. So one of the reasons why it tastes different uh, than what it smells is even if our tongue didn't work, we would experience a different uh, smell just from the mouth because of the enzymatic reaction in the saliva, as well as the temperature of the mouth warming it up. So now we've let this uh, sit, let it finish. I still have a really, really nice aftertaste of that sheepy manchegan. We're gonna take a small sip of the tea and notice how it changes the aftertaste of the cheese. And of course, you know, Jenny definitely showed me up on oh, how yeah. we were supposed to uh, sit <laughs> I'm That's over okay. here so uh, thinking about the uh, uh, the uh, cheese, I totally forgot. We should definitely slurp. Do you want to talk about why slurping is such a great oh, way? Same thing with, well, well, the cheese, you kind of have to chew and use your tongue to help it get everywhere. When you're slurping, you're spraying it across your palate. So it's more instantaneous mm -hmm. of that flavor everywhere in your mouth, unless it's like boiling hot, like be very careful. But it also, if it's boiling hot, helps cool it down. Yeah. A, a to, good slurp will yeah. take a boiling hot tea yeah. and not burn your tongue. Yeah. <laughs> you're uh, increasing surface area. Mm -hmm. So surface area to volume uh, is gonna be a square relation versus a cube relationship. Uh, so I know almost no one else loves math as much as I do, but what that means, <laughs> as you get smaller and smaller, you get uh, a, a exponential amount more surface area than you have volume. So by cutting in half and half and half again, by having that slurp, we have a very, very small amount of volume and a huge amount of surface area. All of the ability for it to go from a liquid phase to a gaseous phase only happens on the surface. And that seems like a fancy concept, but it's really easy to understand. If we had a, a jug of water and we took the uh, top off and we left it there uh, in the hot sun, it would slowly uh, turn into gas. If we dumped it on the sidewalk, it would quickly turn into gas because it has more surface area. When we slurp, we're making smaller particle sizes, which drastically increase the surface area by, uh, uh, by uh, exponentially because it's a, a second to a third function. Yeah. So we have now, I uh, had a chance to use the tea to help cleanse the palate. We're going to try the tea again and notice how the flavor of the tea is different this time. The first time we're really noticing on how the cheese finish is different. Oh, do you the want second more tea? I drink more. Okay. <laughs> it's very I good I drink tea. almost all of mine. It's, it's hard that not one to. slurp. <laughs> 
The second sip of tea, we really want to focus on the way the tea tastes now. Uh, as uh, we still have some taste of the cheese, but it's uh, yeah, gone. I still have taste of the cheese in my mouth. <laughs> well, let's try the tea again to see if the tea tastes a little bit different this time. Hmm. Yep. Yep. Definitely tastes more. It tastes more vegetal to me. I was about to say the same thing. The first time <laughs> out of this beautiful sweetness, and it. I was confused. I've, I have this tea at my house. I've had this tea at my house for years now. It's one of the ones that lives in my... I mean, uh, but you you drink it. It's not like sitting there old. Oh, no, 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 yeah, no, no. Yeah. I, I drink it. This is one that we <laughs> yeah. keep buying because yeah. it's so great. And when we just tried it now, uh, when we had the cheese in the mouth, I was really confused why it was so sweet. Uh, it tasted almost like a candied, uh, sweet, uh, beautiful, uh, uh, almost like fresh peaches or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like I could, I could taste like the texture of the cheese and the little chunks of that, like mm -hmm. were harder. Tasted sweeter. Remember we were talking yeah. about the salt mm -hmm. and the. I mean, it's not salt necessarily, but you know how yeah. salt helps bring out sweetness sometimes. Absolutely. If you want to make something taste more sweet, uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit of salt in the contrast uh, works out wonderfully. I like to when I talked about it, uh, pairing to my new hires at work. I always call the margarita principle. If you have a sweet, you know, margarita, you want to put salt on the outside. Uh, same things going on here. Uh, but kind of backwards, where we have the kind of salty cheese, and that makes this tea taste sweet. The second note of the tea, after a lot of the cheese had, uh, the uh, layer of lipids had been removed, was very vegetal. Uh, it was uh, a lot more than I was expecting, not because it's unusual with the cheese, uh, for the tea, but it was such a contrast to what we had the first time. So now that we've had them separately, we're going to take a bite of the cheese, we're going to chew it for a second, leave it in the mouth, and then have a sip of tea and let them combine and see how that changes everything. It's making my mouth salivate, even though there's nothing in it right now, which is always a good sign for me. Anyways, I don't Absolutely. know. It's a, it's a weird thing that happens to me every time I taste a tea that's amazing. I mean, just a plain tea. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this could possibly be an award winning tea. I, ha I don't know if you do or anyone else does. But for me, like I'm literally these glands right here are salivating. Do you know why? Why? Your no, body's prepping why. for digestion. Your body knows it's going to be something delicious. It's allowing more saliva to be there, which is going to interact with it and help break it down and oh. bring out more of those notes. Uh, I, I haven't studied tea very well, but only mostly just with the Jenny. But I am positive there are things inside the tea that will be broken down by the enzymatic reactions in the mouth. Mm -hmm. So by having your mouth ready to do so, it's important. That's one of the reasons why when you go to a fancy restaurant, they make you wait for the food. <laughs> They don't just bring it out. It would yeah. ruin the experience. Yeah. And it's not just because we have the idea we want to have to wait, but by getting prepped for it, by being, uh, being teased by the anticipation, yeah. <laughs> we prep our body to be able to respond to it better, digest it more. And because of that, we actually taste more as well, which is kind of cool and fun. Interesting. Yeah, most tea tastings that I'm at with other professionals, mm -hmm. like, do you feel that? And they're looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, it's like gushing right here, <laughs> like, like micro gushing, like in mm -hmm. my mouth. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Absolutely. And when I try this, all I can think of is how I really want to put some uh, grilled lamb uh, later on this afternoon <laughs> over the open fire because it reminded me of the uh, uh, of the way it smells to have a really nice uh, uh, lamb covered in like rosemary or sage mm -hmm. uh, or mint, you know, grilled and nice, low and slow, uh, you know, on a hot summer's day. And so this is a sheep cheese. This is a sheep smoked cheese. So that's where we, so those, those lamb notes are from the lanolin, which we find in uh, sheep's meat and sheep wool and sheep cheese. Interesting. So I know, I think I said we're doing like a 20 minute quick, you know, basic parent okay. principles. And we've well, talked we uh, for 20 minutes just about <laughs> manchego. But this cheese is amazing. Uh, because I know that some people don't want to be here for three hours. Uh, we'll quickly go over a couple more parent principles we discovered. Uh, I think it was very important though that we were able to show our favorite way to put them together. It's not just, you know, put some tea and cheese out and, uh, you know, eat one and the other. Uh, I really enjoy breaking open the cheese, noticing the aromas, noticing the textures, noticing the way it feels, uh, chewing it slowly through the entire palate, swallowing, letting it sit there for a second, and then slurping a nice, beautifully hot tea and noticing how the taste of the cheese changes, waiting, slurping the tea again, noticing how the tea changes, and then doing it together to figure out how uh, they combine. Which is a good way for beginners to start mm -hmm. doing the pairings, is yep. these certain steps. Mm -hmm. uh, or, or professionals. I, I think this is one of the best ways to experience uh, what we like to call uh, the third taste, or the idea that we're creating something new. Uh, a good pairing uh, isn't cumulative. A cumulative meaning it's not one plus one equals two. Uh, this tea, you know, is one. And I know that's not fair. This tea is a 10. <laughs> and, and, and the cheese is a 10, but it's not a 10 plus a 10 makes a 20. This is a 10 plus a 10 makes a 25. Because what the pairing is supposed mm -hmm. to do is accentuate all of those characteristics, and it's like an exponential graph. It makes it taste yeah. better. Mm -hmm. it, we, uh, it brings out the parts of the cheese so I gush about, and it brings out the parts of the tea uh, that Jenny, you know, loves. And these are things that, because we have been doing it for so long, might seem... Uh, are a little more apparent to us, but especially for people who haven't tried 300 different manchegos, uh, having this tea will bring out the parts of the manchego that I talk on wax poetic about uh, that are a little more hidden or harder to find. Putting these together will allow what I want out of this cheese to come forward and what Jenny wants out of her tea to come forward. And that's one of the reasons why it's important. Uh, if we had paired this tea with a cheese that was very uh, earthy, uh, there's a tendency to make it taste bitter. Uh, as opposed to being vegetal uh, and fresh green, it might taste uh, over-roasted green uh, or uh, uh, overly aged. Like um, uh, there's a tendency for it to taste like the clippings from a lawnmower bag, you know, the next week when it starts to dry out a little bit. Mm -hmm. We don't want that to come out. And it's not because the tea has it, but it's because the tea and the cheese put together will bring that out. By having something that's uh, younger and a little saltier and a little higher fat content, we let the sweetness come out instead. Uh, we did this pairing to allow that sweetness of the tea to be highlighted and some of the uh, salty uh, vegetal notes of the cheese to be highlighted. Yeah, should we quickly go over the other yes, teas, the, other, like the uh, cheese that we have so mm -hmm. we can, you know, talk about what they would pair with and why. So Absolutely. Can, uh, and then and then we can talk about the times where like what we really wanted to come out was a dud and why. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then we'll talk for three more hours about <laughs> yeah. Manchego because it is phenomenal <laughs> right now. I love Manchego. <laughs> Uh, other things that we found are absolutely wonderful. Uh, one of my favorite teas uh, going, uh, when the first time I met Jenny, uh, was because I was drinking a lot of scotches. 
and that everyone kept saying, oh, no to lapsing su chung. I didn't know what lapsing su chung was. Oh, yeah, I can make so some lapsing su chung. So I uh, came to Jenny. I'm like, Jenny, uh, I didn't know her name. Uh, I came to her shop. <laughs> the tea lady. Uh, uh, the tea lady at her old tea shop across town, <laughs> down in the basement. Yep, down in uh, the basement. And uh, I horribly mispronounced this tea. I don't remember even how I thought it was pronounced, but it definitely was not lapsing su chung the first time <laughs> I said it. was quickly corrected and given a glass, and I instantly tasted that nice, beautiful, uh, warm, smoky notes that people who love Isla Scotches uh, talk about. Uh, and I was finally able to put those flavors together. Uh, because it's one of my favorite teas, it's one of my favorite things to pair as well. Uh, one of the things I love doing with it is either a water buffalo milk mozzarella uh, or a burrata. Uh, water buffalo is traditionally what all mozzarella was made out of. Uh, because it is so fatty, uh, roughly 8% uh, uh, fat by, by dry matter in the fluid milk versus three for cows, so nearly three times more fat than they you know a good cow, uh, and probably more than three than the standard cow's milk you might be able to find in a grocery store. Uh, it's going to obscure some of the beta carotene found in the cheese. What that means is the cheese is always going to be bright white. So water buffalo milk mozzarella is always bright white because the fats are so large and they're so prevalent, you can't see any of the beautiful orange, orange uh, hues that you can find in some of these other cheeses that we have that are a little more uh, tinted. Um, because of that, uh, and because it was traditional water buffalo milk mozzarella, it was always bright white, people thought that mozzarella should be white. All mozzarella is dyed white, more or less, with titanium dioxide to make it look like water buffalo milk mozzarella. Uh, that's one of the reasons why it's so bright. Uh, this isn't water buffalo milk mozzarella. I, uh, even though I run a cheese shop, I couldn't get any in for this tasting. Instead, we have burrata. Uh, burrata is one of my other favorite fresh uh, mozzarella cheeses. Uh, this one is stuffed with cream. Uh, can we get the down camera? Oh the, oh, the the top one right here? Yes, the top one. Yep, yep, we're on the top one. We're right on the top one already? Yes, right there. Oh, fantastic. Really? Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to cut this in half, and you can see that inside it's covered with basically everything that was left over from making that mozzarella. Oh, it's just you, so white. It's, <laughs> so it's so white, it's going to be hard to come <laughs> out. Uh, uh, but basically it oozes out almost like a pudding. You can even see a little bit on the contrast uh, with the blue, how it has come all the way out. And it's uh, basically almost a liquid. Uh, I love pairing lapsing su chung uh, or any of this, uh, especially smoky cheeses, with anything with this very, very fatty and a little bit of the fresh milky sweetness. So burrata has that uh, extra uh, heavy cream added in with the leftover bits uh, for making the tailings of the cheese wrapped in a beautiful mozzarella ball and preserved in whey. Uh, and water buffalo mozzarella, water buffalo milk mozzarella, uh, again has a super fatty, creamy, nice sweetness going throughout, and that's going to pair really well with especially uh, uh, teas like Lapsing Su Chung. Another tea that we have uh, brought uh, today is one of my other favorites of all time. Again, if I'm going to be uh, uh, coming all the way up to the middle of nowhere to hang it with Jenny, I'm going to have her make my favorite teas, uh, and it's uh, her organic pour. Uh, which... Oh yeah, the pour. So I'm going to take some of the. Was that this one right here? This is lapsing. Oh, okay. But we can talk about mm. poor next. Lapsing is so good. Uh, I've also spent the last couple days by a campfire, so it's it tastes like being home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it tastes like <laughs> where I left, and it's very, very uh, reminiscent of some of my favorite things to do outside of work and just you know being camping and be outside. Uh, but that nice smoky flavors. Um, Sometimes it can be a, a too aggressive or linger too much. With the cheese, it is perfect, it is clean, it is fresh, and it 
finishes in a way where the tea tastes sweeter uh, and you get more than just sometimes the smoke, which can be a little uh, strong on this tea. Uh, allows a lot of the other notes to come through as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we have also brought Perm. Uh, I mentioned it's one of my favorite teas of all time. Uh, it is, I believe it's one of the only uh, aged teas that it gets uh, as fermented. Yeah, yeah. It's the only one goes that extra process to uh, create you know, this environment for microbes to, to start, you know, I guess fermenting technically, breaking down fermenting enzymes, you know, same thing with Mm. the cheese, right? Yeah, because there's really Mm. large flavor molecules and we'll break them down to smaller ones. Every time that happens, we get new notes or new aromas that didn't exist before because of the way this, uh, that tea is aged uh, and broken down. It has wonderful notes you can't find anywhere else. uh, And not just in any other tea, but anything else I've ever tried in my life. So which cheese are we going to pair with the pour? Her order is wonderful. It's uh, strong enough to hold up to some of our favorite cheeses from all over Europe and America. The one I brought today is Hollerhocker. This is going to be an Alpine-style cheese. So cheese is generally, you know, from the Alps, Alpine-style Alps. Uh, It's going to be a cheese uh, that has more cream added to it uh, that is aged in the cave that uh, tends to be very uh, brothy. Uh, often I get notes of like good gristle uh, or uh, or steak uh, or a nice uh, uh, umami from like, you know, sauteed mushrooms. And that combined uh, with the tea is just phenomenal. It makes them both taste uh, more uh, meaty uh, and robust. Yeah. And then what's the, the next? Oh, wait. And then we had matcha. And we have matcha. What were you going to do with matcha? Should I make a bowl of matcha really quickly? We're doing this guy right here. Okay. Square him. While you're talking about that cheese, I'm going to make you some matcha. Oh, fantastic. I also <laughs> love matcha. <laughs> As you can see, clearly I'm just using this to eat my favorite cheese and my favorite teas. That's <laughs> so how I prefer to live my life. Uh, this is a, a squero. It's going to be another sheep's milk cheeses. Uh, sheep's milk cheeses pair really well with everything, especially things that tend to be more uh, higher in tannins, like a lot of wines are beautiful cheese milk cheeses. Uh, and a lot of cheese goes so well uh, with cheese milk cheeses because, uh, you know, the complexities uh, 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 that you uh, find in them. Uh, this one is from the Basque area of the south of France. And actually in 2018 at the World Cheese Awards, World Cheese Awards, I uh, was saying the best cheese in the world. It's a phenomenal uh, sheep's milk cheese. We're going to pair that with the... That's sheep's milk so this also. Is, yep, this is okay. uh, sheep's milk also, but this one's going to be aged. Uh, the first one we did was very young, so it tends to be a little uh, fresher, brighter. You get a lot more of the uh, fresh-cut, clean grass. You get a lot more of the nice, sweet notes. Uh, this one's aged, so it becomes, as opposed to any notes of like fresh grass, it's more uh, notes of hay, uh, more redolent of uh, um, uh, hazelnuts, uh, or uh, notes of um, uh, warm, uh, yeah, like warm nuts, uh, buttering, uh, a little earthier. We're pairing that today with the matcha because the first one we wanted to bring out some of the really nice uh, sweetness of the silver needles. This time we're looking to bring out, uh, to kind of pair up with the vegetable notes, but not make it overpowering and instead make the tea taste a little bit sweeter. Uh, and the cheese have some of those more nutty notes come out. So how would you pair this with a matcha though? The same way mm-hmm. yeah. that we did before? Absolutely. I, I really believe that in our experience, we have found one of the best ways to do tastings uh, with cheese, especially with tea, is we're going to first grab a piece of cheese. Oh, uh, I don't think I've ever shown Janae this cheese. That, so yeah, we have to try it. That's why I was like, what? I don't know this one. <laughs> uh, a squirrel. So we're going to uh, then break it open. 
Oh, I love it already, just from the smell. You get that, it has a lot, uh, uh, almost caramel notes that we didn't find in the Gunger Sheep Smoked Cheese. Oh yeah, it totally smells different once you crack it open. Yep, we're exposing more surface area. Uh, the mechanical action of physically sharing the cheese uh, is going to uh, unlock one of those flavors that allows it to go to a gaseous space. Uh, even more so <laughs> uh, if you break it than if you cut it. Uh, if you break it in half, it's going to even be more uh, of a reaction because you're allowing it to break along the line to where the curds mm -hmm. are fully mm -hmm. fused back together. Yeah. Uh, in the cheese industry, we call this cleavage. Uh, if I'm sure Jenny could do it better than I, but if she could show uh, the uh, the break point and how it looks different and how it's not clean. Uh, you can see how it's uh, yeah, jagged, how the... it's not smooth. It didn't break like you might find a uh, more elastic cheese like a Swiss, uh, but instead it's very uneven. And it's because... Well, this one totally sheared exactly. unevenly. So. And that cleavage, uh, where it broke, is going to give us a lot of these beautiful aromas when we break it open. Hmm. So now, as I mentioned before, the first thing I love doing, smelling it, letting it sit in the tongue, letting it warm up, chewing it, using the tongue to move it around the entire mouth. Uh, we want to be able to utilize every last bit of our mouth to be able to enjoy this cheese, not just, you know, a small amount. Definitely different texture than the last one. Mm -hmm. This one is aged for a lot longer. It's aged for about a year. It's a lot drier. It's a lot more. All right, now I'm getting notes of like hazelnut butter. Um, mm -hmm. Nutty. Uh, nutty, earthy. Not too salty, but there's definitely some salt going on. So what we're going to do as we did before, we're going to spritz uh, the uh, palate with a little bit of this matcha. It's bringing out almost like a spicy note in the cheese that definitely wasn't there before. Uh, like a gamey spicy note. Mm-hmm. I want to take another sip of the tea. It's a delay. Like that that note, mm -hmm. like you drink the matcha and the matcha is so potent and bold. Mm -hmm. And you have to wait. And then that other cheese note comes out. Like it, I don't know. It's maybe no. because it's matcha. I don't know. What why the other pairing was more mm -hmm. immediate. Where this it took a little bit to or at least for me, maybe it's where I put the cheese on my uh, No, no, no. I, I definitely uh, agree that the when we talk about finish, we talk about, you know, like the mid-finish and the long finish. We talk about uh, initially, right after, you know, uh, having a how it tastes, and then how it tastes, you know, three, four minutes later. Um, I'm noticing that, you know, the astringency is definitely, um, it's almost drying at first, but as you're able to move it around, we're getting a lot of those really nice roasted meat notes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And before, it was kind of like a sweeter hazelnut. This time, we're getting uh, yeah, quite less a bit more of, going less on. less of the sweetness of mm -hmm. it. Definitely more like mushroomy, kind I, of. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of mushroom. I also this really nice, um, like white pepper spice. There's a, a piquancy that I, I hadn't experienced in this cheese before. That must be there somewhere, and the tea's bringing it out. Are you getting that little bit notes mm -hmm. of that, that sharper edge, that mm -hmm. piquancy? And spicy notes, not in that's like hot and heat. Mm -hmm. Spicy as in you know, not not like a jalapeno pepper, but no, like no. a like notes of like making your tongue tingle in certain spots like it's jumping around at least that's how it feels like for me 
I'm like, oh, I could see what the, was like spicy. Like, you know, cinnamon isn't necessarily hot per se, depending how big the chunks of cinnamon are. Um, but it feels like it's like popping, like micro popping all over the edge of your tongue, at yeah. least for mine. Uh, definitely, uh, if we were to talk about these cheese pa uh, pairings we'd have just done today, uh, <laughs> from like a, a dinner. Now, this is the main course. This is the meat and potatoes. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one is definitely, you know, like, in, like an hors d'oeuvre or an appetizer or even a dessert. Uh, and the porter, you know, is a great like mid-course meal, but this is like the meat and potatoes of it. You know, it's very, very earthy. It's very heavy. Uh, it's uh, unctuous. Uh, you definitely get the notes of like, you know, roasted portobello, a little bit like of the autumnal sort of spice where it's not hot like a pepper and not the capsaicin, but definitely has uh, some piquancy to it, which is beautiful and uh, um, makes the tongue come alive. Yes, excellent. Okay, so let's go into like some of the mistakes that we have yeah. learned so, from the past of all the cheese and tea. You first of all, you can't force a pairing. Like mm -hmm. you might think you know the cheese, you might think you know the tea, but it's just like when you're blending D. For those of you who know how to blend, you can't have flavors all be at the same level. Otherwise, they clash instead of missing each other, you know, and creating layers. So I feel like that's the same with, thing with pairing and pairing with cheese is you're like, oh, it's got to be good. It's got this about it. And then it's got that about it. And it's got to go well together. But then it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> if we just found like the best cheese in the world last year and the best tea in the world last year, it might not go together at all. Yeah, that's true. Um, so some of the things that we found that are you should be careful of. Uh, is a like Jenny said, you can't armchair quarterback this. You can't just say, oh yeah, I read this on the internet. Let's try it together. If possible, I implore you to try it before you show it to other people as well. Mm -hmm. Like don't show it to someone's house saying, yeah, I took this awesome class with this weird guy in Alaska who said, put these together. Try it for yourself. Uh, portions are important. Temperatures are important. Subtle differences uh, in the tea and cheese are important. Uh, as much as we try to have consistency, that's not actually the goal of high quality cheese. I'm not trying to have every will of this square taste the same because not every blade of grass that the sheep ate was going to be the same. Not every mm -hmm. uh, spot in the cave where it was aged is the same. We're uh, really trying to showcase the beauty of the land and of the system, not necessarily having it be consistent. Uh, I read once one of the differences between craft cheese uh, versus mass produced cheese. As mass produced cheese, they alter the ingredients to make it consistent. Mm -hmm. And in craft cheese, you, you know, you might alter uh, the recipe and you don't alter the ingredients to showcase the differences. You want to make it taste different. Uh, cheese is made in the fall versus the spring are wildly different. Cheese, two wheels in the same batch are different. Uh, one of the reasons why I said you should try to find some place where you could try it is because every wheel is going to taste different and uh, a good monger will be able to show you know, saying, hey, uh, this one just got in is phenomenal. This one I usually love. Right now, it's not actually what you're looking for. So, oh yeah, and that yeah. reminds me one of the one of the years that we were getting ready to do a class, there was a certain like like a drought or a monsoon or something had happened in that area where the animals feed, mm -hmm. and so it, you could taste it in the cheese that the flavor was not there. It was like washed out or something like that. Mm -hmm. I can't remember exactly, but something like that, right? Absolutely. Uh, one of my favorite things for these uh, Alpine style cheeses where they're able to graze is sometimes you get notes of onion or notes of garlic or uh, literally something that that one cow ate on one day will make it into the cheese and make the whole wheel taste that way. Uh, so for artisanal cheeses, 
uh, you definitely want to taste it before you do it. Don't armchair quarterback it. Don't like look it up online and just show up and hope it to be uh, uh, for it to be good. Uh, there's a lot more variability, uh, which means it has to be a little more hands-on. Uh, with that being said, some general rules we found to avoid is often some of the cheddars uh, with tea tend to taste very, very sour. Uh, mm. So be careful with sharp, sharp cheddars. Uh, sharp is a weird word. Sharp doesn't mean more flavorful. I'm not saying avoid those super aged cheddars, the wonderful, nice grassy notes, uh, but I am saying ones that have more of that acidity. So sharpness is going to be the sensation on the sides of the tongue that make it curl up. It means it's more sour. It means it's more acidic. Uh, sometimes you don't want you want to be careful with tea because you don't want the tea to taste overly sour. Mm -hmm. uh, that, is, uh, that can be described as an off note for tea. Um, although not always, but if you do have the off note, you need to add sugar as well. Like if you have like an English breakfast thing, having something that was a little sour, if you had honey, would be great. But if it was not with honey, <laughs> it would definitely make the English breakfast taste off and it would not make the cheese taste better either. Uh, anytime you have a tea that has nice sweetness, uh, try to pair it with uh, cheeses that have saltiness. Uh, uh, teas that are more assertive or have more tannins. Uh, tannins, you mean the, the structure you'd find in the winding of a body, is basically the feel of the tea uh, to a degree. Uh, pair it with cheeses that have more body can stand up. Um, now, body for cheese doesn't always necessarily mean hard. Uh, you might, uh, cheeses that are triple crumbs, delicate French triple crumbs that are nice and buttery, have a lot of body because they're very uh, thick. Uh, they have a lot of uh, fat. They're close, you know, to butter, so they have great body on the tongue, so they hold up to tannins, uh, which is kind of uh, interesting. You'd think that those super delicate light cheeses wouldn't hold up to those big baddies, but they <laughs> often do if they have enough fat there to have the body to hold up to the tannins. Uh, we have found that blues and teas are amazing, but very hard to do. Uh, again, if you're going to be doing blues, you really wonder how that sweetness. Blues are known for this really nice salty minerality. By having teas, uh, uh, like uh, some of the green teas, uh, that oh, what sort of green teas have my sweetness to it? Oh, well, like the cookie cha is pretty sweet. Mm -hmm. um, we had a sencha that was kind of sweet too, um, but that was also very green mm -hmm. and vegetal. But there's some yep. pretty good pairings with the sencha too. We've done sencha a couple of mm -hmm. times. Uh, a lot of the sweeter styles of uh, green teas uh, go really well with the saltier cheeses, even a bloom. Uh, we have found, uh, uh, let's see, what else we. Uh, I know we did a. a cheddar before we did a cloth-bound cheddar oh yeah what do you so remember cloth -bound, I, I think it was either the beechridge flagship reserve cloth-bound cheddar or the kaiba cloth-bound uh cheddar uh, i think i some point on both uh, these are aged cheddars but they're not very uh sour they don't have they're not very sharp instead they have really beautiful grassy mm -hmm. earthy cavern notes uh and those tend to go really well uh, with some of the teas that are uh, you know, warmer and have uh, uh, that and tend to be um, uh, like some of the warmer black teas that we have uh, come across. Mm -hmm. And like another sweeter type of tea, but would be a black tea would be like a cumin black tea. I think cumin was the one we actually. I'm pretty sure it was the, the <laughs> cumin that we did with the uh, oh, okay. cloth cheddar. I have some notes over there. We'll can find it later. Yeah, we have the, uh, so many notes. The question and answers, <laughs> uh, pages and pages of notes. Yeah. So yeah, well, this was a great introduction yeah. to cheese and tea pairing. And so remember, we can find you online on Instagram, yep. right? Uh, what was it again? Uh, cheese Master G, all one word. Yeah, and Greg is great at teaching cheese classes. He has a lot of knowledge. And so check him out. And we're so glad that you're able to join us today on the Essence of Tea podcast. 
And just one more thing, if you enjoy learning about tea and want to take it to the next level, consider joining the University Program. It's a 12-month tea certification program with weekly live trainings, special guests, expert seminars, and a portal of hundreds of videos on tea. Go to bit.ly slash universa-t or sippingstreams.com to learn more.